Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, gay, and Clark is gay, gay. and Ryan's gay, gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Special Extra Issue, Castlevania Season 3. The show just premiered a few days ago on Netflix. It is written by famous comic book uh, author Warren Ellis, and it continues the story that started a few years ago. Um, So uh, at the beginning of season three, it's the aftermath of Dracula's death. Mm -hmm. Uh, Trevor and Sypha are traveling. Um, Alucard remains at Castle Dracula in misery, and Isaac is returning to Europe for his revenge. But Carmilla, reunited with her vampire sisters, of the Styrian ruling court, sees a way to take advantage of Dracula's demise and build a new future, and she needs imprisoned Hector to achieve it. The season introduces new characters, new concepts, new locales, and greatly expands the world building. And unlike the previous two seasons, it has a very downbeat ending, which we'll get into uh, in our discussion. So as we start off with all of our uh, discussions about movies, TV shows, et cetera, et cetera, what makes this season the best and what makes it the worst? Who would like to go first? I'll start. Adam. It's me, Adam. <laughs> um, Hello. I think top three things that make this great uh, action sequences. Uh, I would say character downtime and development. This is the first time that the show has had... 10 episodes uh and i think it shows that it just the more episodes it gets the better it gets right which makes me so happy um because i think it was such a tight show to begin with especially in the first season that it was primarily just action and it's maintained that uh experience and excitement while also filling in the blanks on why you should give a shit and it's um due to warren else's writing it's due to the amazing voice acting but like consistently Every single character that get, gets introduced into this season, I care about. Even down to the judge that owns the small town that mm-hmm. Sypha and um, Trevor. Trevor belong to. And then the third is just the possibilities. I think it was actually an IGN review I read about the series, which was... Uh, well, I guess I had this thought while I was watching the show, but it was... I, I, I scrapped the IGN thing. I don't know. I was thinking about it, but the way the interview with Warren Ellis, which was like, this was supposed to end with season two. And then Netflix was like, we want season three. And they're like, well, shit, what are we going to do? And they realized that while they closed, obviously the major storyline from the previous two seasons, they created nearly like six to eight of their own storylines within each of these characters. So every single Saifa, Trevor, Alucard, Carmilla, Isaac, so on and so on they all have their own individual stories and journeys. And like this season in particular felt very old school game of Thrones to me where I'm like, I could watch this fucking shit for like 10 seasons because they're, it's moving methodically, Mm -hmm. but it's advancing and evolving characters on every episode. And then through the entire season, that's actually my favorite part too. Um, The best part of this season for me is we don't need no Dracula. We built an entire like lore with the last two seasons. Then we throw everything out the window which had me scared and I didn't know where they were actually going to go with this. They built an even fuller world. I think it is phenomenal season. I think it's better than the first two. Uh, a fuller house, if you will. <laughs> no, yes, it's on Netflix, yes. <laughs> what about well, you, Brett? I think the the reason why this is the best is because it took what they already had and expanded it in a way that didn't feel inappropriate. Mm-hmm. I think that they, they introduced the concept of the infinite 
uh, corridor, or I don't remember the name of it yeah, was. Yeah, that's right. Um, <clears throat> which could connect to parallel dimensions or alternate dimensions, whatever. And I think the way that they introduced it, the way they played around with it, it didn't feel like there was something off or out of tone with the rest of the story, but it opened the door for them to do even more exciting things with this show later. So, and the other reason why I think it's great is because they pushed forward on some kind of Lovecraftian kind of cult themes that I think really worked uh, before, but this time it was very much centered around this little church that had a demon uh, fall into it. Uh, and then be crucified underneath in order to formulate its plan to get Dracula back. So for me, uh, what makes this season the best is, um, I've said before many times, some of my favorite stories are the ones told after a war is over, like what happens next, and the destabilization that happens in the environment. And so in in the vacuum of Dracula, you have uh, Wallachia kind of in ruins, and which gives uh, Carmilla and her sisters, they want to do an opportunity of building their empire. Um, uh, but you also have, you see like the ruins of, um, of the church um, in, uh, in the town that they go to, where these, the sort of, I would assume that they were pro- previously Catholic um, uh, yeah, clergy. They, they said that. Yeah. What, uh, what, Catholic what, clergy. Oh, they, they become okay. they become like um, Dracula worshippers. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I love that idea. It's like um, that uh, his presence and now his lack of his presence has left in uh, a very apparent mark on this world. Well, and I the, think it's really smart the way they they kind of like flush that out. The the addition to that was the actual dis- destruction of the head leaders. Mm-hmm. of this church so there's no longer any coordination right. uh, yes that's members. that's another yeah that's actually a very good point of like the archbishop uh, basically being being killed off in season one and then being utilized as a, an undead creature uh, or a night creature in season two uh, another reason why i love the show is thematically um and this is true of a lot of warren ellis's writing which is why i'm a huge fan of it is there is an uh a real distrust of authority and power. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see that, um, you know, with the church, you, and you saw that in the first two seasons, but then you even see it with the judge, which we'll get into a little bit Just about. Just slightly. Yeah. Uh, um, and first, the, like, yeah. Do you mean the judge from Rick and Morty? <laughs> the, the, the mayor of that yeah. village town? Uh, oh, basically. Yeah. And, um, like, at first he's sort of seen as a gruff but benevolent character, and you come to realize at the end of the season, like, he's actually... A fucking monster. vicious monster himself. The humans are the worst. Um, yeah, uh, which the is true of every... were the monsters the whole, the whole time. time. Oh, <laughs> what a twist! Yeah. So then, what makes this season the worst? And that Brent, I think I'm going to give you first. So uh, I have to disagree with Adam because I think that while I there's a certain sense in which you care about the characters and you feel like this ha- it expanding doesn't feel like we're wasting time. It seems to me like more of the characters fulfill some kind of plot role without having like an emotional stake to them. What, uh, and I don't, I don't think it's that I hate any of the characters and they are useless plot props like you might have with a character who is just there to, you know, be the, the kick the cat kind of moment or kick the dog kind of moment. They, they, everyone's valuable, everyone's meaningful. They all do meaningful things, and yet, for some reason, when I watch the show, I feel like 
I don't have any particular love for any of the characters. I'm not excited. Inclusive of the main ones. Yes. And I'm not, I I don't, there's no character who I'm excited to see anything happen to. Um, I, I don't worry about any of them, but for me personally, because I like story so much, I can still enjoy the show because I can see how, Oh, this character is doing this choice and that causes this reaction. And that set of reactions makes a lot of sense. None of it is was that arbitrary. True of season one and two as well. Yeah. Okay. So it's I, like I a think it's it, it's like a very it's a very good world building character construction, and yet I, I I can't put a name on what it is about the characters that it just doesn't make me fall in love uh, with them. Uh, I'm gonna get into my what's worst about it, and I think it's gonna kind of build on what you said. But I'd like Adam and Ryan to to talk about what they maybe didn't like about. Why this. is this the worst? Yeah, I think uh, for me. It is the slight imbalance of Ellis's writing. Sometimes stuff really hits and it feels great. And I guess like I just literally lauded or like I loved the voice acting overall and the writing overall. Sometimes the anime setting or just the combination of the art, the voice and the writing doesn't always connect. And it, it was definitely worse in the, first season especially i remember i rewatched the first two just to and ahead of this third one and i did appreciate it more the first time i watched it sometimes i'm just like to your point i'm like what the fuck is even going on like who cares about any of this yeah and then re-watching it kind of because i knew where it led i was like ooh. and for me i think this third season in particular could still sort of set people of like what the fuck is going on but now that rewatch for me, something clicked where even some of the awkward discussion moments, again, hate to compare it to game of Thrones, but like there are just as many, like sometimes scenes where you're just like, when the fuck are these two people talking? What are they talking about? Like there is that, there is the element of this longer storyline now that I'm actually connected in with. So maybe that's what it is. It's just like, I've lost the touch, but I do think that that's still something that holds the show back where you're not like, um, you've got amazing scenes like when Lenore and Hector first meet and her setting herself up by the end of the, and I'm like, that's a fucking like end of episode credit sequence. Like that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. And then one or two other episodes, they'll just fucking randomly end with someone like saying some random gibberish that like doesn't really connect. And you're just like, wait, that's the end of the episode. Like, I didn't really get that. Like, uh, I think it's the thing, uh, a very, this is the reason why I think it's tied to world building, but it's that someone is thinking about, Oh, this is going to have a very high rewatch value later. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't think it's necessarily a problem. I, that's that's why I still enjoy it. But well, just to I just want to quickly say like that's that's just the general the general sense I get from the show is that it's written without a sense of urgency and it's written without a sense of an editor like a TV editor because like when you watch CW shows, you watch Arrow, you watch all that shit. Every fucking commercial break, they're like, "Here you go. Like we're gonna keep you <laughs> guessing. We're gonna keep yeah. you going." And I, it's a similar. It does have the similar Netflix problem that many of Netflix shows have, where it's like it's an hour's worth of television. It's not as smart as an HBO show. And then you're like, "That I liked it, but I still like. I don't. I'm not attached." So it's funny that you mentioned Warren Ellis. Um, that's kind of how even some of his comics would end. Like when I would buy them in single issues, and I'm yeah. like, "Wait." Wait, <laughs> is it missing a page? Yeah. And I'm like, every once in a while, yeah. What? Like it would happen so much, and then I moved over to buying them in collections and like you know wanting to read them in big chunks because that's how I think. Actually, a lot of people like write 
you know, like they write better that way too. What but. are some top crops that Warren's done? Like what's top of mind for uh, you and Ryan? He did an astonishing X-Men run, which was not good. It wasn't that great. <laughs> uh, but Planetary is one of my favorite things he's ever done. Um, I really, really like um, The Wildstorm, which is very recent. Him yeah. actually revamping a bunch of characters he created and wrote in the late 90s, early aughts. Uh, Transmetropolitan is really well-beloved. He had a very short-lived Constantine well, Hellblazer. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, again, it was good, but then it it got worse as the as the series went on because I think he kind of got lazy with it. Um, um, he's written, you know, Next Wave is is really beloved. He's got a bunch of indies. He's done um, a bunch of Marvel, some DC. Um, yeah. So he's a very good writer, but. Ryan, what's what's what makes this the worst for you? Okay, so at, at this point, so it's season three, so we know the beginning is always going to be very slow build up, and then when I was halfway through, I was almost a little bit like, I need a little mm-hmm. something extra. Throw in some juice in maybe the beginning, you the middle, something. I need more juice, baby. Yeah, but like, um, because Never. I knew I knew I say the word wet. baby ever again. <laughs> so when, when when we get to those last two episodes, I know it's going to be all action all the time. I think I know the fo- I know the formula now, and I'd like you to switch that up a little bit. So yeah. I feel a little less, and also. I don't know how to feel when I'm watching an action scene slash sex scene. I my my oh. my, emo- my emotions are going everywhere, and I just haven't. It's dealt like with- I'm jerking off to blood, and it's really weird. What parts do I jerk off at? I'm not sure. Yeah. That was but that was the, a lot going on. There's two simple rules. That that could be. That, I that's a bad thing, but that's also just because I haven't dealt with those feelings. So I'm not sure if that's bad yet. So we'll, more to come. What are you gonna say? Oh no, I was just gonna say there's two simple rules. Oh. None of it or all of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, all of it, babe. Um, so this is kind of building off. Brent's uh, um, worst uh, about the season is I think the reason why you probably don't have an affection or any stakes in the characters, pardon the pun, is the fact that I think Warren Ellis writes all of his characters the same. Uh, and he's, he's got these archetypes. Uh, I mentioned this on our Slack channel. He's got the sort of the gruff, like hard drinking hero. He's got mm-hmm. the young ingenue that, that kind of the hero who's lost his way yeah and needs to kind yeah of come and back. like and like absolutely like is all about like substance abuse in one way or another uh he's got the young ingenue uh who ends up getting a little bit you know jaded with the world he's got the really aloof like otherworldly alien type um uh protagonist but they all they all have the same sense of humor too yeah they yeah. all tell the same i mean the jokes well, are you funny piece of shit i'm gonna throw the, your cactus into the, a what wall what the fuck is happening yeah what's <laughs> toilet paper sif <laughs> sif uh that's sif right sifa sifa yeah sifa she has a, a a comedic style that i'm familiar with which is like if you've ever had a friend who is from whose English is a second language mm-hmm. and they're always a little bit broken, but they're still very funny. Yeah. They know how to use language yes. yeah. the wrong way. Uh there there's better. like a humor there. That's true. But yeah. the thing that always feels out of place is I'm like, but she is from Wallachia. She yeah. is from here. Yeah. Why does she sound so off? Well well, you're you're definitely like uh onto something with that, uh Kaylin, your analysis, because I think one of the scenes which I overall really liked was striga and then the other uh woman of the four that they're morana morana i just their overall conversation was great and then there was like some fucking like little stick point of like this is a warren ellis conversation like it just it doesn't 
it it definitely pulls away from the characters because they don't necessarily all have their own voice when it comes to humor or connection. And but they do for motivation and story. So yeah. it's like I think there's a that's the disconnect. That's actually a very good point. I um and then my other uh, war stuff, which we'll get into in my first discussion question. So I'm gonna save it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So um Ooh. so unlike oh, season, that's a that's an answer prequel. Yeah, it it kind of is. <laughs> um, in seasons one and two, the storylines were very tight. You had the characters kind of always sort of being with the protagonists were always with right. each other. The antagonists were always with each other. And then like towards the end of the season, they would interact. Yep. This, you had four discrete storylines happening. Yeah. Uh, so to your point, Adam, it's very Game of Thrones. So the four major arcs are Trevor and Sypha in Lindef- Lindenfeld, which is the name of the town. You had Alucard training Taka and Sumi, which are the uh, the <laughs> Japanese. Alucard. They're the Japanese like <laughs> proto vampire hunters. What yeah. do you want to say? I just was going to quickly say they are not great voice acting and not well written. That was actually the one part that I really hated the yeah. show the most. Um, and then the third storyline is the the vampire sisters. It's Carmilla, and they introduce uh, Striga, Marana, and Lenore uh, in their castle in Styria, and with Hector as their prisoner. And then the last storyline is Isaac's quest to get revenge on Hector and Camilla. Overall, I felt like I kind of liked that. Like we had these storylines that didn't where you had characters that didn't interact with one another. Yeah, but I think. The weakest, and this is probably the worst of the season, is the Alucard uh, training yes. Taka and Sumi because you get to the sort of crescendo of what happens to you know Ryan Crawl jerking off to blood. Um, <laughs> Thank you, and that's what it's leading up to. But it like it took us nine episodes to get there, yes. eight episodes to uh, get here's there. Here's why: yes, because it's melodrama, meaning they don't have the motive enough desire and motivation set up in order for you to believe what they're going to do. So they, as a plot thing, kept asking about yes. the ability for the castle to transport. Mm-hmm. Yep. But we never learned what it was important to them Why? for. Exactly. So the twist would have been, the thing I was expecting was, oh, they actually aren't, uh, They they the, the, all the stuff they said about the uh, uh, um, vampire who was controlling them was a lie. Mm-hmm. They're actually embassies yes. for her, emissaries yes. for her or something. Yeah. Anything yeah. where they have some false falsity that they're hiding. Right. But when that turns on them actually feeling jaded by the world and that another person is yeah. withholding information from them, it doesn't feel like it's weighted toward anything that Ugh. they were saying it's, before. Exactly. There was no stakes to what they were saying. So you don't believe they would do this double cross. Because I thought if they had just ended it after they had like they they had just had sex and that was it, I think that would have been a good place to leave those characters for, for another that. season. Yeah. To have some kind of like twist. He needed more of a story. Well right I was gonna though. say because he didn't do anything. It was it was necessary much. for Alucard to showcase his potential to turn against humans overall and learn lessons. So for I think that's the whole point is like I totally agree with you that they needed more um, motivation. And it was so simple. Like, there was multiple episodes where they could have filtered in another flashback. How many episodes were they, like, (laughs) laughing in a field and falling? I I, I mean, I liked Alucard. Alucard. Yeah. Because to me, his position position made a lot of sense. (laughs) They set him up with a very short scene early on. Like Which he's kind I of loved. Losing I loved that his scene. Mind. I loved that scene. He, he's cool, losing yeah. his mind. And then it's 
it's a reconnection with humanity because all he's been doing since his isolation after his isolation is fighting his dad. They I think the pra- so regardless of the motivation, they to your point, Ryan, they needed more see like go to a town and have them talk about have, humans or have talk them about actually like, train it work in some action. Yes. Action, maybe a they little had like bit. one go fight scene. go hunting for yeah. an animal. And yeah. I, I like the idea, Brent, you mentioned of them maybe being unreliable narrators. And I think that would have been a really yeah, great way to cooler, like yeah. to, to do, you know, to have the turn. And we didn't get to see the turn but, at all. It just made no sense. Well, to me. they were sort of just like, we don't like people lying to us. And also we want to take control for ourselves. Like, it was a very that weak. They they tried to explain. They tried to cram a lot of exposition about that, them traveling from place to place to jerking. learn. While he was tur- yeah, tied up in fucking like chains. So let's talk a little bit about the other three storylines. Clearly, I think we we all agree the Alucard one was yeah. the, the worst. But, but well, one quick thing, yeah. um, I have I have a feeling that this will actually be the most impactful one because obviously he has turned into Dracula. Yeah, they're foreshadowing. He, he will be the big bad again after we work. But again, I think vampires. it was it, it goes back to Brent's point and a little bit of Adam's point. It's almost like they are trying to just move characters in a certain way to get to a certain place. Yeah. You could have made it more yeah. interesting. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's talk about the other three storylines of like uh, it's clearly Alucard was our least favorite. What is maybe what is your favorite of the other three? Can I can I say something about the stories that I really love? Sure. Um, it's that I think they're different. They the one one thing that is truly brilliant about the way the story is written is how it feels to play certain types of video games. So uh, yeah, like like I felt like the a la carte storyline felt a lot like parts of Pokemon. Or whatever, where, or games where you're, you've yeah, got to do something slow. like training. Yeah, you got to do some slow process to get to level up, and then you get betrayed at the very end. The um, the storyline of um, uh, that that small town with Lindenfeld. Yeah, yeah. Lindenfeld. To me, that felt like you'd engage with these characters, and you're like, "Are you an NPC, or are and, you? Yeah, are you and a also real person? like sneak around, like secretly conceal a body after like hitting it? Yes, like, and then Isaac had a storyline, which was like a command and conquer story. Yeah, and then um, the, the the four, four vampires, the four sisters, and Hector. That felt like a story kind of like Fallout where you're selecting between different types of dialogue yeah. in order to negotiate your way through a process. It's really funny you mentioned the idea of video, like obviously you would connect to Castlevania for video gaming, but there is a there's a game called Saga Frontier. It's a Square Enix game. It's there's like a multiple like there's like seven of them or I think it's called Romancing Saga elsewhere, but the main thing is that like in Saga Frontier you can usually choose there's like seven main characters you can choose and at the minute you said that I was like holy shit you're right because typically what happened is that every single one of those storylines and one of those main characters extremely different to get to the same endpoint and so like the way you described it I'm like oh my god each one of these characters or each one of these storylines could have easily been like how you started the journey but then when we get to the whatever x season of Castlevania that's the ending of the game kind right. of thing. That's a really interesting way to put it. So wh- which storyline did you want to talk about? So I, um, weirdly enough, uh, I actually liked Isaac's the most. I loved Isaac's. Um, Seems I, like I, the most useful. Why would it be so weird? Kim? Well, because I, you know, like I think a lot of people might pick uh, the four sisters yeah. because of the banter um, <laughs> and they're really wonderful villains. Uh, and, um, you know, like Trevor and Sypha being kind of like the Kira's, main protagonist. Yeah. Uh, but Isaac's quest, I mean, like, 
I love the idea of focusing on the villain's quest. Yeah. Um, it is such a, like, a subversion of, you know, of what we see in, like, sort of a Campbellian, like, you know, like, hero's journey. Um, my favorite scene, I think, in the whole show is when he's sitting around the campfire and he's talking to the insect. Yes, man. he's oh, talking yeah. about the yes. demon he has summoned, yeah. who's the one who speaks well. Yes, and the guy was a philosopher in, in Athens. Right. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how he was sent to hell because the rules change, because Christian, the way he says Christians take over, take over Athens, and like just talking about God and questioning God uh, is now a sin. And as a result, he goes, mm-hmm. he goes to hell. And, and, he, he's and, then he and he comes loves back. Sin as a result. And he loves sin as a result. And like that scene gave me such goosebumps. Uh, the way it was animated, the dialogue, mm-hmm. just the eeriness of it, and it's so good. World building, great idea to have someone talk to what seems like this, you know, kind of um, yeah. uh, uh, golem <laughs> type character. <laughs> Stop making weird sound effects. That's just what he sounds it, like. It's a character, like, <laughs> it's a, char- a golem like you might summon to fight your battles, and yeah. then you are able to talk to it and question it, and it has something to actually say. And the other thing I liked about um, Isaac's storyline is when he's fighting the magician who's unnamed. Very cool. Um, and like the magician uses, he's got these human slaves that he's um, using mental whatever to like control them. And he that turns him into cool this looking. giant ball. It's like it's a character. It's a villain. It's oh a boss. yeah, it's Legion from yes. one of the games. Yeah, Andrew and I screamed at each other because we were like, "That's the boss." <laughs> yeah, it's a boss, and, and and like it's so, and it was so fucking creepy and eerie. Um, I I just really love the way that all of that was like staged as an action scene. I just love the bad guy found a worse guy to go up against. <laughs> so, like, well, so that yeah. was needed. That yeah. was something I enjoyed because it seemed like the old lady got some form of vengeance that we're not aware of. Yeah. Like that there's more Miranda. to that. Miranda will be back. That's yeah. sto- sure. Oh, she's totally a Miranda. She's my favorite in the sex in the city. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also, well, I really did like Isaac's uh, journey overall. I thought like, and again, I think regardless of even kind of calling back to Alucard's journey, like the main character gets what we need from them. Right. Like yeah. this, the, to kind of close out Alucard and lead to this is like the scene of watching him have staked both of those people is a really haunting image and a great, like, Holy shit, this is where the show's going to go for Isaac in particular. Every single conversation he had was nothing but interesting character. Value. So uh, reverse of Alucard, every scene that Isaac was in, was really important for his journey and was also very interesting to watch because even the whole conversation with the captain, who I actually thought was going to be, I think his name is, it's not Captain Dynasty, but it's like some ridiculous, <laughs> it's the pirate from Castlevania just 3. called the, the, the captain. No, no, like they cut they, they cut out the pirate. Look at me. Yeah, they yeah. cut the pirate out from Castlevania 3 because it, like I think uh, Warren Ellis was even like, I will never use that character because of how stupid his fucking name is. Um, but like, that whole just like them being on the boat casually talking like again i want to stop comparing it but it's so like this is quintessential like why i watched game of thrones yes just, like, it was it was, like, uh, it was the uh the the pirate who uh befriended um sir davos yes that's exactly who you're reminded of just the of. Com- like the conversations that they were having and interacting and i'm like and the and again the voice acting is absolutely incredible lance reddick played that uh, uh, captain who's so, so good. good ryan ryan what was your favorite storyline <laughs> uh, the four girls come on <laughs> what are you even talking the about the real housewives of Styria. St- one beef that I do have is Carmilla is such a big role in the in the previous mm. season that like her being downplayed this season. I wanted her out there. I wanted her a little bit more action. But I actually the, like that she wasn't. Oh, same. You're, 
okay. Stop Interesting it, point of view. <laughs> um, um, we we get Striga and Morana, which is really cool. You see that that the first LGBT sort of uh, yeah. relationship yep. in this one, and then also just Lenore sisters. <laughs> sisters. I, when they first started said sisters, I was like. <sighs> They don't look anything like, yeah, and yeah. I was like, I, they're vampires. They're sisters. vampires. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> took me a minute. Took me a, a character development. It took me um, an episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but like just the seduction of Hector in there <sighs> was so good. Lenore is such like like I'm glad that we because we got so much of uh of Carmilla last season that like I didn't like when you saw the trailers it's almost like oh they're setting her up to be the big yeah, bad man. and I kind of know where this is going maybe. And they did a swerve. Yeah, and totally. like and like basically, uh, when I think it's is it Marana? The, Marana, the fit, yeah. Marana's like the more slight the, thinner which, one, the tactician yeah. or whatever. The, the, the delegate. They all have She's their roles. Yeah. A- administrative. We all have our roles. Yeah. Striga, Striga is the strategist. The Marana, yeah, yeah. Every single time uh, they said it. Well, when Marana keeps going, you know, like. Uh, like I'm a genius I'm a genius and then fucking at the yes. end when Lenore comes in about how she got Hector to like be under their thrall so yeah, like anytime like, he like as a uh, what do they call them the um, uh, uh, smith wars uh, life smiths what are the fucking you know, ever come on oh the forgers forgers forge, forge, forge master. masters forge masters got uh, it only took four <laughs> of us to get there, there. um is that like uh, because now she controls him that whoever he controls they control him too Correct. and then they're like Okay, she is the fucking genius. Yeah. Lenore was so, so like underestimated. Like I underestimated her like as a character when she first appeared, and I was like, "Oh, she's a fucking she's great boss bitch." The and second she said she was a diplomat, I'm like, "Oh, I'm in. yeah." Well, so this is where I'll give Warren Ellis a shitload of credit: is that a typical way to do these sisters in this kind of arc would it be exactly where it's like Camilla's on the front end, you got the three characters in the back, they're all just like. The warrior, everyone just basically skulks around, kind of helps Carmilla, and nobody like, these are four fully realized characters now within the course of a season. Every single one of them obviously has a position or play for power. You're going to have Carmilla potentially versus Valenor, potentially versus Striga and Morana. And just, um, again, I going like this, the Lenore uh, excitement, like I was just like screaming in my seat when she first had that encounter with Hector and she's like, do you think I'm a fucking idiot? Like, and she just beat the shit out of him. And she's oh, like, yeah. I'm getting the fuck. She's like, you'll fucking listen to me. I was like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing on the planet. Like, it was just amazing. It was such a great heel turn and like a perfectly like well done arc for her overall. Do you think that the rings she got mm. are rings that would cause the other four to be subject to her? That's what I was thinking. I was thinking that. Yeah. Yeah. Could be That's, easily. I think she, um, I think she's capable and also of power the, play. That is the hottest cosplay ring right now. You oh. know, <laughs> everyone wants those fucking it's rings. Too, I want that. It's a black and red copper wire. I was going to say, it's like, it's just like fabric. You just, I, you're going to see a lot <laughs> it's of them at the twist next them around. Also, I got such a, you'll uh, see them at Mal next year. <laughs> I got such a Sheer and the princesses of power vibe from that entire storyline. Yeah. Yeah. Of like, like, and especially even the way the guards were, were dressed, they looked like the guards yes. from like uh, uh, wherever Angela, like her, like what's the name of her kingdom? You know what I'm talking about? Friendsville. <laughs> Fairy <laughs> world. No, I know. I can't believe I care. Eternia. No, not the planet, you idiot. Uh, like the name of the kingdom. Anyways. Ryan, you got something to say. Yeah. Um, I'd like to move on to Trevor and Sifa's um, Lin- Lindenfeld uh, adventure. Yeah. As the last little piece. Yeah. yeah. What did we think about that? Um, it's the main, arguably, probably this is the main one it's because the main it character. has our main story and the most 
sort of like actiony type of storyline. I generally liked it because I love the introduction of um, Saint Germain. I think he was oh, a really yeah. good addition to He's the fine. cast. Um, I like the way that they, like as I said before, they kind of played with like um, uh, like the distrust of authority figures, um, and um, I think it had some very unsettling like imagery. Like when you first see like the uh, the crucifix like flipped around oh, in, yeah. in, uh, in the church. Like, I think that was like really unsettling. It introduces the infinite corridor. The, the, the pile earlier. of Bibles or not Bibles books. Yeah. I thought was, uh, and the, the bucket of shit, uh, those two things <laughs> to me were more unsettling <laughs> because when, who was the guy Bill Nagy was playing? What was like St. Germain? Germain. Yeah. So St. Germain, he's like, seems like you're a, your cross to cross is a little off. And I'm like, what, what's wrong with it? It seems like it's upside down. Like the way it should be. Right. What? Uh, <laughs> God, I can't remember the name of the sort of now devil worshiper. Prior Sala. Prior Sala. Sala like, yeah. I, there's a huge credit to the uh, animation because his he eyes are bucked. Looks fucking like crazy. a fucking nut job. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah he definitely had crazy eyes. Terrifying. Either, yeah. Um, and so Nazi it, sign. Right. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, th- it's interesting to me that it feels like the, m- I thought it was such a sur- solid storyline, but it o- oddly felt like the, almost the weird one out. Like, I think it was just so sol- solid and what you would kind of hope to expect from their journey. What yeah. I liked about it, and I'll kind of cut to the chase is that obviously we find out at the end of, uh, the arc that the judge is actually this huge fucking asshole has been throwing children into a fucking pit. oh my god let's save that though i want to <laughs> but well no no we can't but i i think like the the whole reason why the arc works we can't out save it the whole <laughs> like reason he why, couldn't save those children he nah. threw into a pit go the whole, to the apple tree the whole no. reason why the the arc works out for me is that it's not just a standard protagonist like to, it, it's the easiest one to feel like a random town in a role-playing game right you yeah. get in you solve a problem and you leave yeah and to have it flip on them so much, especially because Saifa was like at the beginning of their journey was like for the season was, I don't, you know, I don't want to really go back. I want to just like live. We should be saving lives. Like we should be doing fun stuff. Like she wanted more and more and more. And Trevor was like, let's go along with this. Let's do this. And to have both of them backlashed on like trusting this person and assuming they were doing, they were still overall doing what good, but to have that kind of like, blow up in their face at the end or like believe that they trusted somebody who obviously was a very evil person. It was, it was a, it was a sad, but also a very fantastic they, they, journey to watch. They genuinely did build him as a reliable character. Yes. It's you thought lawful, he... lawful neutral. Yeah. Anything. There is one thing when they introduce him and he told that kid, Hey, don't tell anyone this, but go to that fucking apple tree. I was like, uh, there's yeah. something up with that. See, oddly, that because I originally, went, anytime they introduce a judge and someone who looks as like hard and stern as him, was like, there's something wrong with this guy. But then I was like, oh, they're showing his nice. Side. I actually thought that. I thought yeah. that it was like, oh, he is. Wow. He he genuinely yeah. is a good person, but he knows that in a town full of idiots. He has to be this level of sternness yes. right. in order to get them to go along to do the right thing. And also, like the fact they showed his intelligence early on when he's telling Sypha and Trevor about how they killed the night creatures yeah. by like basically like dipping their weapons in shit and, and salt. salt. Yeah. And it's yeah. like um, it 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 completely neutralizes his character. <laughs> I was like, wow, what a fucking smart tactician! And, he is. and the writing was great because he was like, "And come with me." <laughs> to get tea and you're like oh okay <laughs> that was pretty good I yeah. don't like tea uh, <laughs> uh, the thing I also like just that reminded me and I was saying this to Adam before but the 
the when Trevor was complimenting him for that smart tactical strategy of wiping yeah. salt and shit on it, what he said was uh, to help increase the sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. He did not say to help cause an infection. All right. And there's this idea when you're writing stories in the past, there's a certain anachronism to language you have to accept mm-hmm. because otherwise, if you don't refer to everything, if you don't refer to some things in a modern context, people, people won't be able to understand because all of your references will be things that stopped existing <laughs> before the characters existed. Yeah. yeah. And so to say someone you know, got sick from an inf- a wound. I think it's a much better way of describing it. I don't know. It's just that extra yeah, touch. I yeah, liked. no, it's, I uh, do like the modernized take overall on Warren's writing in this sort of medieval world, right? Like these mm-hmm. characters, they, I think the, the biggest thing about where it really differentiates itself because of who's creating the show is that game of Thrones was very like, they, it still very felt like it was, you were watching a medieval drama. Whereas this like feels like it's in a medieval time period but everyone talks like they're today almost. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which I actually don't mind the anachronism. Yeah, no, no I, I like, like it. I'm yeah. saying it sets it apart yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. for the show. So um, the show introduces, this season actually introduces some like new concepts or kind of goes into other concepts that were only hinted at in previous seasons. Mm, like hentai. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ooh, we'll get into that in a second. Uh, but like the infinite corridor uh, is a brand new concept that's introduced here. Uh, as well as um, hell being an actual place, um, which they never really explicitly said in previous seasons. If I, unless I'm misremembering, I don't remember that. Uh, but so I mean, they're introducing parallel worlds um, through this, and it's a doorway. It is also a doorway to hell, which is almost viewed as a parallel world. What did you guys think about how how it was integrated into the into the uh, storyline, as well as how it was executed? We got some weird. Uh, CGI graphics as a result of that. Ah, that was strange. That weird mechanized walking yeah, this kind thing. of yeah. uh, ATT uh, or a chicken walker. At, kind of, at. Uh, not <laughs> at, at, but uh, the, the chicken walker, kind of two-legged yeah. creature walking across the Serengeti. We saw some uh, kind of pyramid-type structures that looked they, like they'd been souped up by alien technology and mm-hmm. a, some group of seven people running somewhere important Mm -hmm. and then a kind of mc escher style uh gears and stairs type world that seems twisting and unending with the saint germain's primary you know girl we don't know who she is or what she looks like yeah she's the one he lost we also got the uh ayers rock in australia with an aboriginal um g uh, have you heard these oh, theories? Yes, online? I have. Gateway from X Men. So that character that it was sort of like yeah. the blue back. You saw him. Uh, he he's actually supposed to, in theory, be Gateway from the X Men. Oh my god! Meaning that these I'm are like, connected. Is universes. this a thing that is like a common mythology around an Australian so, man? I, no, no, I like Aboriginals around Ayers Rock. Uh, like, is there something about? So uh, Warren Ellis has used Ayers Rock before in an issue of Planetary. Uh, and he's um, definitely, I think, throwing an Easter egg yeah. with with Gateway. Uh, I don't know if he's ever written Gateway before, but he's definitely written the X Men. Well, um, and I think a lot of uh, what another what people are pulling out of this, especially like kind of knowing, I forget his the name of the, I guess essentially like executive producer that's kind of running this is like they're working on a Devil May Cry. What yeah. what was his name? Uh, Adi Shankar. Yeah, that actually yeah. sounds. Yeah, that yeah. sounds right. Um, he, 
they're working on a bootleg universe kind of idea. And so people are saying is this might be the first foray into kind of launching that the devil may cry takes place in the same universe, obviously somewhere completely different. Um, and I think Warren, like I read an interview with Warren Ellis and they were, he was talking about how this was like basically your acid trip season. And I didn't really yeah, fully like get it until I was never be really high two gummies that. in watching that episode where I was like, what the fuck <laughs> is he, going when on? When he was dreaming, if you're just a little bit high, you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's crazy. I think it's, um, I think we're reaching a point where we as a culture are really prepped for stories that have the multiverse in them. Yeah. And so at this point, they didn't do anything so offensive that you're like, this doesn't seem like it fits in the story at all. Right. Uh, But, uh, you know, it was a nice enough introduction to where you felt, "Ah, this is okay. And the idea of hell, I still like, I know you're you're saying like it's the biblical sort of hell, but I just think of it sort of like unfortunately like it is like the x-men it's just another universe that happens to be like something that can be opened and people go to yes and no uh because i go back to the um isaac storyline when he's talking to some of his night creatures the ones he's brought back uh the philosopher from greece from athens basically says i went to hell because the rules changed and christians took over and what i did was a sin and so it tells me that this is a kind of a biblical sort of hell, and somehow this person was transported there for sinning. So, Could, even, well, that's couldn't it be? Couldn't hell be like the like Sakar of the multiverse that people in every single universe, no matter where they are, could just get dumped out into the same location? That's probably that, that that is a good theory. But the other thing it tells me that organized religion, something that Warren Ellis has no use for actually can send people there for breaking their rules, which yeah. seems kind of an- antithetical to like what some of the stuff he said before. <laughs> he does hate hell. I mean, he does hate religion. Just he does, <laughs> but like it is, it is telling, it tells me that like you break the rules of this religion, however ridiculous they are, you go to a bad place after yeah, you die. Well, cause it's also told obviously in, and we actually didn't bring it up while we were discussing in the storylines was the return of, return quote unquote of Dracula is that Dracula is obviously currently in hell with Lisa. Exactly. And so Lisa's sitting there hugging her for hours. Well, and that was kind of the debate on whether or not he was trying to get out or if he was just trying to close the portal because he was now happy with, he was in his own um, sort of, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, I think to your, (laughs) I think actually it's great that they, I didn't even really think about it until now, but I'm glad that they added that whole dialogue with the character. Um, your favorite part of Isaac's storyline, Kalen, because Lisa, like, is in hell and you would have assumed based on her time on earth lisa was actually a really good person she was but, but the she, rules caused her to go the there. rules like she was burned at the stake by the church because Correct. she was a heretic and she was blaspheming uh blaspheming and like ends up going to hell as a result of it so it, it's 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 fascinating that they that they did this it's a hard thing it. to explain away because for the philosopher it was something about him basically lying and ratting people out you could argue there is some true morality that religion doesn't always get at, but with uh, Lisa, Lisa, it's a little bit well harder right. to and put uh, the, her there. The philosopher I thought went to hell because he uh, the original his original sin was that he was trying to explore the origins of the universe and the origins of the divine, which was seen as yeah. blasphemous. I thought they basically put him on trial for that. But he started naming people as a result who were like 
acolytes and friends, and then he was considered oh. a, that, a center. Yeah, um, that that I think we're was really concentrated there. on this one bug ghoul. He was important, <laughs> man. He was bug fucking ghouls. creepy. Uh, so I've got a few questions to ask, uh, just to kind of wrap up this uh, uh, this podcast. Um, one: Do we think Dracula will return as an actual character? Yes, yes. continue. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Is Alucard being set up as an antagonist? Yes, I hope not. Is you are hope not for both of those? No, no, no. I hope I hope not for Alucard. You, you hope okay. he does a pivot. I mean, he's basically Vladi and Paler. I now. hope he walks the line. <laughs> I, that's what I was thinking. I think they're yeah. going to build it up, but also stay on the side that he'll help them. So, what happens when the four sisters' plans to create an empire meets Isaac's quest for revenge? I guess blood orgy. Yeah. Well, I'm fucking. Ex- I'm just so excited about this because Isaac's picking up Dracula's mantle. He may learn whether or not he wants to do it, but I love that Carmilla's going forward with the original plan of like encasing everybody, whereas Isaac's sticking to Dracula's plan of kill everybody. Yeah, so it's a really cool like what happens when immovable. Object, That's exactly blah, what I was blah, thinking blah, when blah. I read that really <laughs> question. Yeah, immovable <laughs> object meets a uh, unstoppable force. force. I, yeah. I think those two kind of like fallen Dracula soldiers are going to come up against each other next season. And yeah. then there will be w- potentially one more season. One more season. That. Yeah. Uh, how jaded and cynical does Sypha continue to be in future seasons? Um, I, I think she's still going to be slightly hopeful. I'll give I, her, I'll get, she gets to, uh, at most, her worst moment has to be like a five out of 10 on cynicism. Well, I, she's got to learn the rest of the avatar um, elements so that, now that she knows uh, water, fire, lightning. She needs earth still. Earth no, and wind, every yeah. fucking, so having just finished Heart. both Heart, yeah. avatar and Korra <laughs> with Andrew, every fucking episode, we're just like. She, she's the fucking avatar. Like, just call her. She is. <laughs> like, just put Truly her Truly an avatar. Yeah. And then how queer do we think subsequent seasons will be? Because this season got pretty queer. Okay. So, the the implicate like, them implying the two of them, uh, Taka and Sumi, the entire time, like, oh, he did put his hand on it. And then actually seeing them go to bed with him, I was like, thank you, Warren yes. Ellis. Yes. Starting out as you, a thruple and yes. then ending as yeah. a thruple. Well, you did it. You implied it and you actually followed through with yeah. it i was like i i truly appreciate i you. did too yeah. Yeah. yeah he's still dating both of them they're just on mistakes yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> well there were mistakes oh no oh, that's okay, pretty good it was related to what you were saying uh, and also striga and morana i thought i thought they're handling their like he wrote that relationship really well i think it's it's very heartfelt and thoughtful and it's Totally that thing where like shit's hitting the fan. One of them's probably gonna fucking die, and they're like, "I'm not going anywhere without you." you. Like you, you can are. see. I that wonder which like... one you think is gonna die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, any last uh, words about uh, season three of Castlevania? Watch it. Watch it. It's enjoyable. It's really great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's really well done. The sort of the sense of despair and dread, mm-hmm. I think, was unexpected but welcomed I yeah it's great and this current world where you're probably quarantined at home anyway why not just <laughs> binge three seasons of this wash your hands it. for 20 seconds and then binge it yes. and then wash your hands again after the sex scenes during the great sex scenes. so we've been homo superior uh find us on spotify on soundcloud on itunes and interact with us on uh, twitter and instagram and the newest uh, gay vampire app Vampire. It's spelled with four Y's and an R. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Goodbye, guys. Bye.